1 John 5, 14 through 15 says this. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. Watch this quick video. Roger. Put up decoys, Glenn. Copy. Where is it? Goddamn it. Where is it? 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 Where is your two-minute war movie quota for the whole year. There it was. You kind of have that look on your face that my husband does when he watches. What's going to happen? So during Operation Desert Storm, the Iraqi military was overwhelmed with their enemy's ability to um, strike strategic targets with this never-before-seen accuracy. And unknown to the Iraqis, the, the Allied Supreme Command had dropped special forces behind enemy lines, uh, and these men provided bombing coordinates for military targets, and they would give first-hand reports of the effectiveness of the, the mission. And so soldiers would, in fact, stand on the ground, and an aircraft would drop a heat-sensored laser-guided missile from thousands of feet above, and the soldier would use a handheld laser to point at the uh, the, the target that it was going to hit. And so what happened during this war is there was just this extreme accuracy when they decided uh, to, to drop a bomb on a certain target. So in the clip you just saw, uh, this is a, a war movie that is fictional, but it segments this 
um, this high-sensored missile, this heat-sensored missile, and how insanely accurate it was on the target. You saw that um, the, the plane was, was flying, um, being chased by this missile because they saw the heat sensor and they did the fireball as the distraction, and then, okay, anyway. Um, so once the target is known, its destruction is virtual certainty because of the accuracy of these heat-sensored missiles. So I read to you, before you watch that clip, 1 John 5, 14 through 15, it says this, that we can ask anything according to his will, and he will hear us. And our prayers are like guided missiles. They're like heat-sensored missiles that, when accurately guided, the answer is with certainty. Prayer is answered with absolute certainty. Guided missiles are not just fired uh, randomly in the hope of hitting a target. They are guided. And so the best resource to guide prayer, to ensure that we are praying according to his will, which is what the scripture tells us to do, is the word of God. And so therefore, praying the word of God increases accuracy and increases answered prayers. So today, the, the takeaway, the thing I want you to remember when people say to you, what was church about today? The thing I want you to share and the thing I want you to think about this week throughout the week is this, that the word of God reveals the will of God. In fact, say that to the person next to you, the word of God reveals the will of God. So we know that James 5.16 says, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. It's powerful and effective. So when is the prayer powerful and effective? Well, when a righteous person prays it. And also when it is guided properly. When it is being prayed according to God's will. So as we start this new year off and, and we strive to really make prayer our priority, we're going to focus on the next four weeks on praying from the scripture. Because we know when we pray from the scripture, our missiles will be guided with accuracy. And we want to give you some tools to really participate. Remember, if you were here last week, we talked about being contributors to the kingdom story, not just players on the bench that were contributors. And so um, this first week, we're going to talk today about praying the names of God. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about praying the fruits of the Spirit. Week three, uh, breakthrough prayers. And then week four, we're going to conclude with um, praying prayers of confession modeled after Psalm 51. So on your way in today, you receive this handout, hopefully. If you have it, grab it so you can just take a peek at it real quickly. Um, and this is our family Bible reading plan for the whole series. And so um, each week, we chose a scripture to read, a scripture to memorize, and a song to listen to. And our hope is that you would take this home with your spouse, with your children, with your small group, maybe with a few friends you guys could get together and say, we're going to do this together, and that you would uh, read this scripture this week, that you would uh, memorize that particular scripture, and that you would listen to that song. Uh, Erie First Kids and Erie First Youth all the way up the line are studying the same thing, and so it will really give this um, opportunity for you to talk about it at home as a family and, and learn it together. And, and we really want to make a priority to, to look at the scripture and to pray through the scripture as we go through this series. As I talked about last week, we're a church, we're a church that a core value of spirit-led worship and prayer. And so we want to grow strong in this. We want to start the year off strong. Um, you'll see at the bottom here 
Uh, we'll be uh, doing a corporate fast together, so you can start planning on that starting January 28th to February 3rd, the day before the Super Bowl, all right? We're going to fast together um, as a church, and we'll talk more about that as it gets closer. And then one other thing I want to tell you about that we did as a tool for you and your family is we got some of these books. They're called Praying with Confidence. Um, I'm actually personally going through this book and also as a staff team. Uh, we're going through this book. It's called 31 Days of Powerful Moments with God. And it's written by a, a, a coach, a mentor of mine named Pastor Jeff Leak, who is the pastor at Allison Park um, Assembly of God just down there near Pittsburgh. And it's an excellent book, and it, it really helps you have um, some prayer prompts so that you can really pray in the scripture. And so um, we are going to be selling these for $5 out in the Welcome Center. And I want to encourage each of you to get one, get one for your family, get one for you each. If you need a little assistance and you can't afford it, let us know. And we have some donors that contributed so you can have one. But we would really love for all of us to do this together. There's 31 days, so if you get started now, uh, you have about four weeks of moments, powerful moments with God. And so pick these up right in the lobby in the Welcome Center on your way out today. And we'll have them for sale every week, so if you didn't remember your money this week, you can bring it for next week. I just want to encourage you to really get one. So we are going uh, to work on guiding our prayer missiles in these next several weeks because the Word of God reveals the will of God. And the prayers written in the Bible are really valuable to us um, because they give us the language of the heart of God. They give us God's language, and we know that God never changes, and so these particular prayers, this particular scripture is still burning in his heart today, and so we can be confident when we pray these prayers that they are guaranteed, that, that these are answered prayers, because this is what God wants us to pray and God reveals to us, and these prayers are as relevant today as they were in the early church, and so we know that we are confident in praying those. Praying the scripture is the most powerful and effective way to pray. It, it gives us a conversation. It gives us conversation material. I don't know about you, but maybe sometimes you, you might have a hard time talking to God. Maybe um, you don't have any words or, or you feel inadequate. Maybe you get distracted. Uh, maybe uh, your version of praying is just sort of venting out all of the frustrations that you have and, and then just letting them there, and hopefully God can sort those through. Uh, there are all kinds of different ways, but sometimes it's hard to know what to say. I believe that some of you have a heart to pray, but you don't know what to pray. You don't maybe know how to pray at times. And what the scripture does is it gives us that conversational material. And when we speak the truth of God's word back to him, we can really engage in scripture. And we can really go from reading God's word from study mode to dialogue mode. Now, study mode is good. We should know the word of God. But we don't just want to know the word of God. We want to know the God of the word. We want to know who he is. And so we need to go from just plain study mode to dialogue mode. And, and this is why and how we pray God's word. So I'm just going to give you an example this morning just a real practical example. We're going to look at the scripture. We're going to put it up on the screen, or it's right here on your handout of Isaiah 42. And I'm just going to give you a practical example of, of how praying God's word could look or sound. Of course, all of this is customized to you and your own relationship with God. But this, let's just read Isaiah 42, 8 through 9. It says, I am the Lord. That is my name. I will not yield my glory to another, 
or my praise to idols. See, the former things have taken place, and new things I declare. Before they spring into being, I announce them to you. So if you are sort of in your personal time of prayer, or maybe you're even with a friend or a group together, when you're reading this, you can pray this scripture. You can go from study mode to dialogue mode. And so I'm just going to walk you through an example. The first thing you can do is thank God for the truths in the verse. Thank God. So, for example, you might pray something like this. Just pray this with me as we, as we do this. Um, God, thank you that you're above all. Thank you that you will not yield your glory to anyone else. God, thank you that you declare new things. God, we receive them. Thank you that before they spring into being, before they exist, that you know them. God, we thank you for that truth. All right, you see that? You can thank God for things. All right, here's the second thing. Uh, you can declare God's truth in the scripture verses you read. So you can thank, you can declare. So let's just use this as an example. These are maybe what I would declare God's truth from this passage. So pray with me. Um, God, you are the Lord. That is your name. God, I will not give any praise or glory or fame or attention to anything else. God, I want you to be first in my life. God, I want you to be above all things. Lord, new things are coming, and I receive them in Jesus' name. So you can declare those things. You're not asking for anything in that moment. You're just repeating the truths over your life and over others, and you're declaring it. Okay, so you can thank, you can declare. And the third thing you can do is commit yourself to God's truth. This is when you take your own life and you apply it to God's truth. So, for example, maybe in this passage we would pray something like this. Jesus, and let's just agree together, we want to serve you. We want to see the new things that you are declaring. God, you said you're bringing new things in 2018, and we commit ourselves to, to you, to moving forward with you. We know that the former things will pass away, but new things will spring up inside of me. Lord, we want everything you have for us. Every new thing. And in Jesus' name we pray. You see, so it, it, you could take any passage of Scripture. You can thank God for it. You can declare the truth. And you can commit yourself to that Scripture in prayer every time. That was one example. You can do that with just about any Scripture that you read. And, and I feel God's presence when I talk to God that way. Do you? Do you feel God's presence? Because it's his words. It's his everlasting truth. It's not something that you're trying to make up or match or say, God, I'm going to pray this prayer out there, and you just, if, if, it, if it's your will, you should do it, and I'm not really sure, but I hope, I hope that my school loans are going to get paid off if it's your will. Please let there be a check in the mail. You know, we kind of have this moment. But when we're praying according to the word, according to the scripture, we can feel God's presence because God's presence is in his word. I'm speaking God's language. And you know what's so amazing is that when you begin to learn God's language, you can hear him better. Because you can start, when you hear things, you can say, God, is that you? That doesn't really sound like you. That shame and guilt and condemnation that I feel in my life right now, that doesn't sound like the speaking voice of God, like the thing I've been praying about. And you can say, that's not from you. I dismiss that. I'm not going to think about that. But maybe there's a time where God gently leads you, hey, your attitude is wrong about this person. And you could say, God, is that you? And you're familiar because you know his language. God will answer the prayer that aligns according to his will. 
And we know that the word of God reveals the will of God. So as we pray the scripture, it is powerful and effective. So I want to get a little bit more specific today and talk about praying the names of God, specifically the names of God which are found in scripture. So why is praying the names of God valuable? Why is this something that we should put our attention toward? Well, God shows time after time after time in scripture that he values naming things. And you know, it's interesting because we name things that we value. One of the first things that most couples do when they find out they're pregnant is what? They start thinking about a name. They start arguing about a name. They start talking about it. Many of you had a name long before your parents ever laid eyes on you. In fact, maybe you're not even dating anyone, but you have names for your children picked out. Don't tell the person when you first meet them. It freaks them out. But you might have that already because you already love the kids you don't even have. When you get a pet, what's the first thing you do? You give it a name. Is the fur brown? Name him Brownie. I'm just, we, just, we have 100% success in that in my house. <laughs> you know, we, we name them. How many of you name your vehicles? Don't hide your hands. I know some of you have names. You name your, <laughs> you name your vehicle. Because you value it. We name things we value. And often we name things with meaning and purpose. We want to really have purpose in the name. In the scripture, same thing. Adam named his wife Eve because she was the mother of all the living. That's why he chose the name Eve. God changed Abram's name to Abraham to show that, he had made, uh, that God made him the father of many nations. He changed Sarai's name to Sarah. He changed Jacob's name to Israel. This is so interesting. When the Son of God came into the world... God didn't say, hey, Mary and Joseph, just pick whatever name that you think you deem appropriate. God was very specific. He said, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. God was very concerned with the name of what they would call him. The names God gives to people in the scriptures or in the names he changes are sure indicators of the destiny of those people. And it's the same pattern of thinking when we're thinking the names of God. When God names himself, we can be sure that these names describe who he is and what he intends to do. That these names describe who he is and what he intends to do. God doesn't choose for himself or names for himself or his people at random. He's not just like, I didn't like Jacob, we'll just go with Israel. <laughs> he has purpose. There are things that he is trying to communicate through this. And he chooses names for the sake of revealing things about himself so that we will know him better. You know, the most common and the most important name for God is found in the Old Testament. And it's a name that in our English versions never even get translated. In fact, in your, in your English version of your Bible, whenever you see the word Lord in all capital letters, you know that this is the name that is behind it. And it is um, the Hebrew name, and it has four letters, Y-H-W-H. And it may have been pronounced, they say, something like Yahweh. The Jews came to regard this word with such reverence that they wouldn't even take it upon their lips in case they inadvertently would take the name in vain. They wouldn't even say it. They wouldn't even try to pronounce it. So actually, whenever they came to this name in their reading, they pronounced the word Adonai, which means my Lord. 
And so the English versions have basically followed the same pattern. They translate the proper name Yahweh with the word Lord in all caps. So when you're reading in the scripture, when it says Lord in all caps, you know that in the original language, it was Y-H-W-H. Now, Yahweh occurs 6,828 times in the Old Testament, which is more than three times as often as the simple word for God. And you know what this shows us? This isn't just like a fun fact. Let me tell you what this means. This shows that God aims to be known, not as a generic deity, but as a specific person with a name. And I believe that he does that because a generic God can't be known. A generic God can be dismissed as theory or a long way off distant king or a guy that doesn't care a lot about your life. But you can know a specific person with a name. What's the first thing you ask someone when you see them? Hey, what's your name? And God is saying, I have a mission. I have character. I am personal. I am alive. I'm alive as the person sitting next to you. And I have a name. And he is so careful to make sure that we know that name because he wants to be known by us. He does not want to be some distant person we read in a book. So that brings us to the first reason that praying the names of God is so valuable. is because praying the names of God will help us trust him. Praying the names of God will help us trust him. Psalm 910 says this, And those who know your name put their trust in you. The better God is known, the more he is trusted. You know, it doesn't always happen like this in real life, but Father God is is like when you meet someone and you get a really great first impression, but as you get to know them, you love them even more. Have you ever had that experience with someone on earth? Maybe their first impression was really great, but you're thinking there's got to be some holes in this when I get to know them more. But as you get to see how they, how they deal with you in crisis and how they celebrate and how they, they live and how they love, you start to trust them even more. This is how God is. The better you get to know God, the more you will trust him. The better you get to know God, the more you will trust him. And as you get to know that he is the God of of infinite wisdom, you'll trust him when, when the road, you can't see very far down the road and your natural eyes can't see how this situation is gonna end, but you trust that God is the God of infinite wisdom and so you can trust him in that moment. As you get to know God as the almighty power, you trust him when you have nothing else to trust. When everything else seems, all, all plan B's have fell apart. When you get to know him like that, you trust him. When, when you get to know God as a strong tower that the scripture talks about, you find protection and strength in him in difficult times. And when you get to know God as everlasting father, you trust him with your eternity and your soul. Even to the end, you trust him even if your own father wasn't trustworthy. And I could go on and on and on of all the names of God. But as we get to know God in these ways, we trust him more. We trust him in different areas and in different parts of our life. And when we pray the prayer in Scripture in Matthew 6, that's part of the Lord's Prayer, it says, Our Father, who art in heaven, what's the next verse? Hallowed be your name. We are praying that people, that us, that others, would speak about God in a way that is honoring to his name in a way that is honoring to his character. We are to hallow the name of God. We cannot hallow the name of God if we don't know the name of God 
or if we forget the name of God. If we want to pray that prayer, we must know the name of God so we can trust him. We are praying, God, hallowed be your name, hallowed be your reputation. Let the truth of who you are change the truth of who I am. God, do something. We want to make your name great. It's interesting. If you, if you do any type of study um, repeatedly in the scripture, it talks about living for God's namesake. I want to just show you, uh, I, I had several bullet points. I think we can pull them all up here. Um, here's just some quick examples. Um, God says, I guide you for my namesake in Psalm 23. God forgives our sins for his namesake. Psalm 25, you might want to say it differently. God forgives our sins for, to make his name great, to show that, that he has almighty power. God leads us for the sake of his name, Psalm 31. God delivers us from sin for his name's sake, Psalm 79. God deals with us out of his goodness for his name's sake, in Psalm 109. And God lets us live for his name's sake. Our mission as a people of God is to reveal the name of God because it helps us trust God more and it helps others trust God more. And so we must know and pray and be familiar with the names of God so that we can declare for his namesake in everything that we do. All right, here's the second reason praying the names of God is valuable. It gives us a way, it gives us a vehicle to praise and honor him in worship. In the same way that sometimes we don't know what to say when we're praying, sometimes we don't know what to say when we're praising. We just have almost this emotion, God, you're so good, you're so good, we just want to tell you that, I love you so much, I, I don't even know how to, how to say it. it, it's all inside of me, but I don't know how to get it out. In Judges 6, I want to look to Gideon, he has sort of this experience. He says, when Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Ah, sovereign Lord, I've seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace, do not be afraid. You're not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there, and he called it, The Lord is Peace. First of all, you can see there, see where the uh, let, it's all capital L-O-R-D. That's where I was just talking about. In the scripture, uh, the translator penned it like that. But in the scripture, in the original language, it would have been Y-H-W-H. So we even see that in this particular passage. But when Gideon was afraid, God comforted him. Comforted him. He built an altar to worship God, and he called him the Lord is peace, which is Yahweh Shalom. The names of God help uh, us to worship God. And so Gideon had this moment, and he says, God, you provided for me peace. Thank you for being my Yahweh Shalom, and he worshiped. It gave him a vehicle, a place where he could worship. Similarly, David, in Psalm 9, 2, he says, I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. When David reflected on God's sovereignty, he called him, the most high, the highest above all the highest, which is El Elyon. He is the God who is over all things. David and Gideon and others throughout the scriptures acknowledge God's name because they are saying this is who he is and this is what he intends to do. I love it if Gideon and David were here today. I believe that they would say to us, we had this experience. God was my Jehovah Shalom, my Yahweh Shalom. Uh, we had this moment where I had the God of peace, and he can be that same God of peace to you. 
So worship him. It gives us language. It gives us God's language to speak to him. So as we reflect on his names, our expression of worship can find more fullness and more truth. And, and our value of being worshipful and being prayerful can all come together and, and right at the intersection of God's names. So remember, the word of God reveals the will of God. And 1 John declares that if we pray anything according to the will of God, we know that we have it. We know that prayers are answered. So here's what we're going to do today. We're going to take these last few minutes of our service and we're going to respond. Um, we're going to respond in prayer. And so the worship team is actually going to come back up now and get ready. And I want you to look down in your row. Um, there's some small squares of white paper on the end of your row. If you could pass those down so everyone has one. You might have to get creative. If there's not enough. Look behind you or in front of you. Remember, we are a full participation church. We're a church of contributors, not just consumers. So make sure you get a piece of paper. <clears throat> Michael's going to walk around, and if you need more, he'll get one for you. Michael, you just take a quick loop. Raise your hand. He'll help you out. Thank you. So when I visited Israel just a few months ago in November, uh, one of the places that we went where I felt the presence of God really strongly was at the western wall of Solomon's temple. And you may have heard of it. It's, it's quite a popular place. It's called the Wailing Wall. And at this particular wall, people come from all over the world to pray. And they write small prayers and little pieces of paper, and they actually shove them in the cracks of the wall. And the western wall is, is the, the last original standing part. It, it's the part that's the closest to where the Holy of Holies was, to, to where the Ark of the Covenant was, was um, settled. And so the idea is that um, that's the closest we can get to the presence of God. That's sort of the, the symbolism of it. And they write their prayers and they shove them in the little cracks of the wall. Now, we know that writing our prayers and putting them in a crack in a wall isn't how or why God hears us. It's just a symbol. But there is something to the symbol. And I believe that our hearts connect with actions. Our, our hearts and our souls and, and our spirits connect with the, the physical action of what we do. And so this week, the staff created our own version of a prayer wall. You'll see one here and one there. And um, we'll be using this for the next several weeks. In fact, um, as we, you guys submit your prayers, we're going to put them back here. And so literally, your prayers will be the backdrop for this series. How cool is that? Your prayers will be the thing that you look at every week that we're lifting up to the Lord. So in just a few moments, I want you to write a prayer on those slips of paper. You can write one. You can write more than one. Today, um, in your prayer, we're going to do something different every week, but today in your prayer, I want you to use a name of God. And in just a few minutes, I'm going to remind you of some of those if you, need, if you need a refresher. But even if you just simply scribble down a name of God and you say, God, help me trust you more as I know your name. These are 100% private. No one's going to see them. We're not going to take them out and try to analyze who wrote what. So you can say anything you want. You can write something of major concern to you. Like I said, you can do more than one. 
And then after you're done writing, I want you to roll the paper up and bring it down and slip it into the prayer wall. And if you uh, can't physically get up, just tap somebody on the shoulder and say, take mine down there. We'll make sure we get them down here for you. Remember, we're not saying that because these prayers hit these walls that there's anything particularly special about that, but it is the action. It's the response that we're saying, God, we want to know your name so we can trust you better, so we can love you better, so that we can understand who you are and what you intend to do. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. You're just going to write a prayer. Uh, use the name of God in it if you wish. Roll it up. Bring it on down here. Pastor Don and Pastor Jim are going to be here in case you have any questions. And stick it in the prayer wall. And then you can continue worshiping down here. Or you can return to your seat, whatever you prefer. And we're just going to take these next few minutes to end our service this way. And so would you just pray with me? God, we believe that the word of God reveals the will of God. And so today we focus on your name and we thank you for who you are. God, we declare some of your names this morning. God, we declare that you are the great I am. That you are the author and finisher of our faith. That you are the alpha and omega. You are the Almighty One. You're the Redeemer. You're the Prince of Peace. You're the anchor behind the veil. You're the Most High, the bright and morning star, the Rose of Sharon, the Lily of the Valley, the Lamb of God, the Son of God, the Savior, the Counselor, the Everlasting Father. The Ancient of Days, the Lord our Sovereign, the Everlasting God, the God who is sufficient for the needs of his people, the Eternal Creator, the Lord our Provider. God, we want to trust you more. We want to know your name more. God, we love you. We know you are the Lord our Banner, the Lord our Healer, the Lord our Peace. You are the Lord, our righteousness, the Lord, our sanctifier, the Lord of hosts, the Lord who is present, the Lord, our shepherd, the Lord, our maker, the Lord, our God. God, you are the bread of life, the door, the first and the last, the good shepherd, the light of the world, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. God, you are my father and my friend and my help and my high tower and my lamp and my refuge, my salvation, my defense, my fortress, my glory, my goodness, my hiding place and my hope. And God, thank you that you are my king and my love and my redeemer and my rock and my savior and my song the branch of righteousness, the Christ, the comforter, the glorious Lord, the great God, the deliverer, the bridegroom, the chief shepherd, and the amen.
this life and breathe.